beer was popping. What's, What's up, on? man? You are officially locker room official. Locker room official. <laughs> I got my first gym. What's going on with y'all? Dude, we're good. We're we're just uh, we're trying not to dive too deep in anything, so we, so we can wait for you to get on board. But uh, first of all, thank you all for coming to hang out and join. I'm super stoked to have uh, Mr. Jason Maples joining us tonight. One of my favorite Lakers guys. Not afraid Absolutely. to tell the blunt and honest truth, <laughs> um, uh, which I think is what is needed from time to time. Um, but that, I thought that was a super interesting game. Uh, Raj just asked, and uh, Jason, I think we could start with you. Uh, you know, I, I've been kind of onto this for a while, but Dallas is a lot better than their record shows. And they've been winning about 65% of their games for a while now. Um, and they're more or less kind of more on the tier of what, you know, Denver has been most of the season. If you look at them through the lens of what they've been lately. So I think people have a little bit of a twisted interpretation, of how good they are. What's your thought on Dallas? How good do you think they are? Um, and do you think that they pose a threat to anybody? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I actually tweeted in the first quarter. I was like, what is, what is Dallas missing to get to the next level? So I think they are a lot better. They started off really slow. I think a lot of it had to do with uh, Lucas conditioning. You know, he kind of is their engine. So, right. um, and Porzingis was out. Also, also, yeah, exactly. So once Luca got in NBA game shape, it just kind of took off. He's their engine. He's probably one of the five best offensive players in basketball as far as carrying a team. And, uh, yeah, but I just – I don't think what my – I think they're going to lose in the first round, but that is more of a – not to how good the West is, not how bad their team is. It's just it's just so deep in the West. Those top four teams are just, you know, either any any one of the four teams, you know, could get to the finals. So it's just tough for Dallas to break into that uh, top four. They're missing something. I don't know whether it's a wing, uh, a, a reliable second option besides Porzingis, but they're missing something to break into that, you know, top four echelon of teams. Yeah, they they need like another ball handler, right, to go with Luca. Um, he's pretty much created everything. But man, they're gonna be a tough cover. I was saying it before you got in here. Uh, I have to say Maples now because there's two Jasons in here. But I'll say, <laughs> I'll say Maples. Um, but yeah, they're a tough cover, man. The way that they space the floor, right? If their shooters are going, and the way that Luca he gets the call, so you can't even really touch him. And then he just controls off ball screens, pick and roll. Um, he drives. He knows exactly where everyone is on the floor. That. They're a tough cover, man. There's a reason why they took that Clippers team to, I think, six last year without Porzingis. Um, I feel like they could do the same again this year if those two teams are matched up. Like I, I think they're just a really tough, tough team. And Luke is a superstar already at what 22? It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. He's, a, he's incredible. I think he didn't even score the first quarter and then finished with 30. Man, it was, it was yeah, ridiculous. Came, came in and controlled he, the game. He also poses yet another one of those examples of like the bigger, stronger wing. Like Caruso did a really good job with him at the end of the fourth quarter, but there were quite a few times in that game where he got him into that 10, 15 foot zone. And there's a little bit of that LeBron effect where like you can't help because Luca is just going to burn you every time if you do. And, and he would just kind of bump Caruso and get to his little like one like fadeaway or turn around a little push shot and like, that's the kind of problem. That's the one weak spot in an otherwise super elite Laker defense is just those bigger, like those bigger ball handlers that can take advantage of the fact that the Lakers have kind of prioritized quickness and effort and a little bit less size on the perimeter as opposed to kind of a Clippers-esque, 
you know, all wings, everyone's six, eight and above kind of, kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. But you know what, you know what I got, and I tweeted this at the end of the game, you know, the defensive issues that, that were raised, they get a, they get a race with, with AD at the five. A lot of that, mm-hmm. he's just, he's just able to switch and Luca's not able to body him or create the same amount of space. And he just makes Luca's life a living hell off, off, off a switch in my opinion, uh, when it matters. So I, I don't think they'll be seeing, like, Luka just roasted the Lakers' drop coverage, but that's all you can do with Drummond and Trez out there. You know, they're not going to get up and switch, but AD is going to give the Lakers a, a switching option and, and a trapping option as well. So I think, you know, the way the Lakers defend those type of actions completely changes in the playoffs. You're right. And I, I want to I pay Denver, or Dallas a quick compliment here because, like, I think there are a couple of teams recently that have made – you know, trades in the off season that were obviously going to hurt them in the regular season, but that were going to make them better in the long run. Like Dallas kind of w- overwent uh, like an identity change. Like, Hey, we're going to trade Curry for Josh Richardson because we know we couldn't defend well enough in the postseason to compete, you know, and they understood that there was going to be growing pains because the, the overall offensive, you know, identity of the team changes with that. Cause Seth Curry is one of the best shooters in the league. You know, and then it's no different than Milwaukee trading all those all their depth for Drew Holiday. Like they knew that was going to hurt them in the regular season because they thrived on their depth. But both of those teams now are starting to peak because their identity is kind of built to succeed at this phase of the season when the teams all really know who they are and and they're going for more of a postseason type of identity. Yeah, what do you guys think of how they started the game? We kind of got a peek right into how Vogel thinks about defending them he put kcp on porzingis right to start and then they just trapped luca and then had ad like you said maples kind of uh free roaming around and be able to he got some steals in the beginning and then luca kind of was able to take over after that but i thought like that was a really good first quarter when they started uh they defended well to open i think they went up like 14 to 6 or uh, something like that so what do you guys think about their kind of putting a uh, kcp on porzingis and then kind of trying to scheme him out that way um trying to just trap him every time uh, well, I'll say a lot of teams do that with Porzingis because they, they don't think he's the toughest guy. So a lot of teams go small against yeah. him. So I think it's kind of standard. But I agree that that you know that's probably what that's probably a smart thing to do is with somebody yeah. small on Porzingis. His post up, uh, I got to double check, but it's, I don't know how good his post up, you know, PPP is. So I think right. the Lakers might have been trying to you know force that action and, and bait them into posting up because it's not a strong. So the Lakers are really good about you know, making you do things that you're not comfortable with as offense. That's why they're one of the, you know, the best defense in the NBA. So I think that's what, you know, the line of thinking was there. He's been a little bit better posting up this season. Um, Zach Lowe was talking about it on one of his podcasts recently. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, it's it, not a ton of volume, um, but he's been relatively efficient uh, compared. Like last year he was absolutely horrible, uh, yeah. but I mean, you're right. Like it's, per- it's perception versus, uh, uh, reality, like the, the everybody on the floor, even though it may be a successful play in the limited times that they actually do it, you'd rather have that Dallas offense, which is so difficult to guard when Luca's, you know, doing all of his wizardry. You'd rather have KP, you know, posting up with everyone else just kind of standing around and watching him. It's like a stagnation kind of thing. Right. Um, uh, my, one of my, the things that I thought was interesting, and I'm interested to hear your guys' take, is like. There was a little bit of that vibe from the season opener last year where it was like they just throw the ball down to 80 and everybody kind of st- kind of stands around. 
Yeah. And, and I don't understand why you would ever do that with like Drummond on the floor because there's just no space for him to be physically aggressive. <laughs> well, and it's been, it's been the most frustrating thing about that for the last two years is when they post up AD. Cause like we all want him to post up AD, but they seem to seemingly do it strategically at the worst times. Well, I think tonight it was more so th- there was an emphasis on getting just Anthony's legs back, uh-huh. yeah. getting AD back into the flow. But I don't think that's going to be a thing. When it when it when it hits the fan, but as you said, it has been. But let's just cross our fingers. <laughs> so we'll see. But I thought him going two for ten was super predictable. Like, and I, I don't mean that as like a eighties garbage kind of thing. I just mean like he's a very rhythm oriented type of player, and like you just gotta let him get out there and get his reps until he feels comfortable and confident again. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree. 100%. I think I think they were just trying to get him, like you said, maybe build his legs under him, right? And just try to get try to get a couple of jump shots up. Um, I would like to them to run a little bit more screen roll action with Shooter. I think that'll come uh, as we go here. But it was good to see him just move around. He had like a shot fake drive on Willie Colley Stein, where I think showed like he was pretty comfortable uh, moving around today. So I think that's all that really mattered today. That he looked he looked okay and didn't get didn't get hurt again. So he looked good. So I got a, a question for you guys. So uh, with if you, I, I personally have been super impressed by uh, uh, Dennis and KCP lately. And what I think is good about that is the fact that, you know, we've seen THT be up and down. We've seen Trez once again kind of have a rough night tonight. You know, Drummond's been up and down. But, like, I would argue, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think, I would argue that those guys are way less important for the postseason run than Dennis and KCP. Those are two guys that they're absolutely going to have to lean on in all of their best lineups. And, and wins or losses at this point, seeing those two guys both peaking is, like, absolutely amazingly encouraging. So what have you guys thought about what you've seen from Dennis during this stretch? And we'll start with Jason. Um. Dennis, you know, uh, Jason, we've talked before. I've always been super high on Dennis, even through the rough offensive uh, stretch he went through. I just think having somebody aside from LeBron who can put pre- pressure on the rim constantly, I just think there's no there's no way that's a negative, you know, regardless of sometimes the turnovers or the, you know, the, the tough finishing. I just think having somebody else besides LeBron who can do that is good. And it makes the non-LeBron minutes more manageable, having somebody who can break down the defense. So I'm always going to be team Dennis. It's especially good to see his jump shot come around lately. That's just icing on the cake. You know, that's just, you know, keeping the floor spread. It makes his speed that much more, you know, of a, of a factor because you can't just sag off now because he's making jump shots. You know, KCP is just, we'll see which one we get, man. It seems like, every, <laughs> it seems like every other month, man, is just, He's hot. He's cold. He's hot. He's cold. Hopefully, just uh, in the playoffs, we get the just the the, the correct, you know, high volume version, the, the good version. Yeah, well, he's speaking at the right time, right? Like yeah. the playoffs are coming with like a month away. I think this is his third straight game with I think at least five threes. So that oh, yeah. really yeah, yeah. so he's really starting to pick it up. And then Dennis, man, he just he looks tired though at the end end of games, kind of because he's kind of running everything. But yeah, when LeBron and he gets AD get back, and you have all the attention on them, and then he can run high screen screen action and be able to get to his mid range pull up, uh, he looks a lot more aggressive nowadays, right? He was really trying to get the team going, and uh, he got them back in it after they could have really let that let that game away. So he's playing good. Both of them, they got like what 50, 50, 55 points out of the backcourt tonight, 
which should have been enough, um, but they just didn't get enough shooting around them. But yeah, Dennis has looked good going into the going into the playoffs too. So we get in, getting our backcourt, starting backcourt going uh, as the two stars come back uh, should be good. I thought he played really well tonight. Do you guys what's what's the timetable for LeBron coming back? Is there anything official yet, or is it just all speculation? So he said that they had that report that came out that said he's doing light shooting. Um, I don't know that anybody has an official timeline, but like the the thing is, is that like things kind of broke absolutely perfectly for the Lakers. And, and I, I know it sounds crazy to say, because ideally, obviously you'd like to be the one seed, you'd like to have home court advantage, all that good stuff. But to catch Denver in the first round, which it looks like the Lakers should be able to control that. Cause there's enough of a gap between them and, yeah. uh, and Dallas and Portland that even if it got a little closer, they could put their foot on the gas and kind of build that gap back up. They're going to catch Denver without Murray in the first round. Then they're going to get one of the Phoenix Utah teams in the second round, and they'll be able to play the Clippers late in a series where they're basically going to have home court advantage the whole time. And like, and they're generally speaking, you trust LeBron on the road. So like they basically sacrificed home court advantage as a result of these injuries. I don't necessarily see the point. I think we would have already seen LeBron if the situation was more dire. I think if they were in the plan, he would have been already playing. That's my opinion on it. And I think, I think that like the example I'd use is like Clay Thompson, like Clay Thompson had a high ankle sprain in the finals and played two nights later. And I'm not saying that LeBron's wasn't a little worse than that, but I mean, he's pushing what, like six weeks now. Like, yeah. I think, I think, I think, I think he's really been like, I, I think, I think they, they've been reading the situation and the standings and they like where they are. And I think they realize now that, like, why the hell not take it a little easy here and, and bring it back almost like, and, you know, you know, Maples, you and I talked right before the bubble. If you remember, we talked about that ramp up in those seeding games and we worried yep, about whether yep. or not LeBron would be able to do it because we said he's never done this before. If you remember. And ironically, it's basically shaping up to be more or less the same thing. LeBron's going to come back with eight or nine games left in the season. He's going to do this blitz end of a regular season style and then hop right into a postseason run. And weirdly, he just did that. So like, it's almost perfect, but I think that's, I I think he's healthy. I think he's just been taking his time for those reasons, the standings breaking out and the fact that he knows he can do this type of physical ramp up timeline. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I agree with that. It's just my, I, I had the same thing with the Nets. I just like at some point there's you know you're towing that line between continuity and rest that they're mm-hmm. only concerned. Like you got like Drummond's a big piece. Like he's only a big piece because you brought him in to start. So you have to get there's going to be an adjustment period with him and LeBron and AD playing together. I'm a little bit concerned with the spacing aspect of that. Usually when there's a big another big in there. Uh, AD tends to settle a little more for for oh, yeah. shots, for so sure. that's like one of the concerns I have. Also, you know, LeBron likes to put pressure on the rim, so I think you know Drummond needs to learn how to work uh, around that. So I think that's you know the things I need that need to think to you know kind of practice it with with live bullets, you know, so to speak, before we uh you know going right to the playoffs. That's my only concern. It's the same thing I have. I think it's why the Nets are toast actually. Because they only played seven games, their guys. At least the Lakers have a playoff win last year to to bank on, where their main guys played together, and you still got KCP, Kuz, Caruso, you know, a bunch of guys who've been there. So 
they have more of a foundation to you know try this you know late push thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm with Maples there. I, I feel like there's a continuity that you have to try to build um, with this new team, and also uh, Jason uh, Timp uh, got to make sure. <laughs> just call, um, just call I, him JT. Like I know, yeah, yeah, JT. JT. Yeah. There we go. Uh, LeBron doesn't look like a guy who's gonna just sit out if he's healthy, right? Like I, I'm sure oh, they're no. being really yeah. careful. I'm sure they're really careful with it, but I feel like he's a guy that wants to play if he can. Um, and I guess the good thing about LeBron and AD is they build up all their continuity last year. Right, we had a uh, Charles Barkley go on and say he picked the Blazers in Denver to beat them. There's no con- <laughs> there's no con- there's no continuity, but I mean they they had a season's worth of it last year, right? So that's what they can bank on uh, going forward. That's the difference to me to the Nets, who I know you said they're cooked, but I still think they make the finals. There's just too much talent there, but like at least the Lakers have that continuity they built from uh, last season that the Nets don't really have, right? I think they played like seven games together or something. Seven, but- bro, seven. <laughs> still, man, that <laughs> well, that talent, but. Go ahead. It's just so more or less. I I think that there's a difference between offensive continuity and defensive continuity. Like, you know, the Lakers already defend. Uh, I checked right before the game. They're fourth in defense since LeBron went down. And that's with a couple of recent not so great performances. They already defend. LeBron and AD are already high IQ defenders that can slot in. And then LeBron is a really high IQ player that can slot in and solve all of their problems. Like think, look at the post or the, the pick and roll passing tonight. It was mostly horrible. <laughs> like, like Schroeder <laughs> does an okay job, but there's balls flying off of knees. There's balls flying off of noses. Like, like Caruso sometimes doesn't know what to do when he gets in there. They're going to be switching from that to arguably one of the top two or three pick and roll passers of, of all time. Like literally. So the, the, the IQ fit is going to be such a natural fit. When I look at the nets, I think that think about it the same way. KD said this on the, on that podcast that he did uh, uh, recently with, with Bansky. He basically said like, like I'm not worried about our fit because we're all high IQ players. And I agree with him. I don't, I don't worry about their ability to get it to go offensively. It's just defensively. Like they, that group, because their core lineups, when they're all paying, playing 40 minutes a night, their core lineups are all going to have Harden, Kyrie, and KD. That trio has to learn how to guard and how I to agree. get stops. And I, they have that, – that takes like – dude, that takes frustration. That takes you getting scored on a lot before guys start looking at each other and holding each other accountable and starting to anticipate things and being in the right spot at the right time, extra effort plays, all that stuff like – there's going to be some growing pains there. And I think that's what ends up getting them beat in the postseason is just extremely sloppy defense from the guys who haven't been playing much in this stretch. Yeah. So now you got to be on a string, man. And that takes time. So yeah. that's where I think their, their downfall would be, you know, people are laughing at me, but I'm sticking with Philly, man. I'm sticking with Philly. <laughs> Come out the East, man. This is my last okay, year. I got, I got a real quick question for you there at Naples. So like, we already know what Ben Simmons degenerates into in the postseason, which is basically a, a dunker spot guy and a guy who can score in transition against bad teams in the first round. But um, their other star is really, really dependent on getting to the free throw line. And it, it, like you watch him when he gets a step on a dude, he's not trying to bump you off to go up. He's trying to get into you, extend his arms, try to like do that crazy you know, Harden, he's, a, he's like post up Harden trying to do that, like kind of rip up move <laughs> with both arms trying to draw fouls. And like, we just have so much evidence of that shit just not working. 
in the postseason. And so I do wonder if you if you see between Ben Simmons' limitations and Embiid's leaning on fouling, if their offense is just going to come to a halt in the postseason. Well, you know, I said this earlier. I was like, you can find a fatal, potentially fatal flaw in any team, right? And I get Philly's a little different because theirs happens to be one of their core guys, one of the guys that they kind of build everything around. But I just, uh, like, Embiid is it's a little different this year, man. It's just he's his post-up, you know, PPP, he's best in the league. His isolation PPP, he's best in the league. So it's not even just a free throw thing. Like, when he scores – he like he scores, man. It's like it's, it's it's just different this year. He took a jump in all those areas, which I think is why he's you know if it wasn't for injuries, he'd be the MVP. I think Joker just kind of run away with it, but yeah, man, I think it's a little different with uh, with where Embiid is this year compared to last year, as far as you know, being more efficient when he has the ball in his hand. I guess they, they have more shooting than usual too. That's also true. The shooting mm-hmm. has definitely helped in that regard. That's a great point, Jason. For sure. But like my question is, I feel like you need a perimeter ball handler, right? That can shot create in the playoffs. Like I think Embiid's been awesome, but I feel like it's it's easier to trap him in the playoffs than like a perimeter wing ball handler. My question, do you trust like Tobias Harris to kind of be in that role? He had a game winner on the Lakers, I think, this year actually. But like uh do you, do you trust him in, in that role to uh to create enough for Philly, especially when Ben Simmons obviously in the half court in the playoffs is going to become a dunker spot guy, and then pretty much it's Embiid creating shots primarily, right? I guess Seth Curry helps with that as well, but uh, that's my question. Like, do you think Tobias Harris can kind of fit into that role, which they'll need him, right? They'll need him to. Oh be. man, that's uh. <laughs> Do you mean Chris Middleton or Tobias Harris or Chris Middleton or <laughs> oh, Tobias <man>. Harris? <laughs> I mean, it's got it's like it's kind of like like again this year. You know, if you just, you know, I have this shout out. First of all, shout out uh, Tim and, you know, B-Ball Index. Like, yeah. it's well worth the five hours a month if anybody's listening. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to get access to all this information. But just Tobias is just having a career year, like, as well. And then Doc Rivers. That's my most concern with Philly is Doc Rivers more than anything, Jason. Because <laughs> I think what's held Doc back is the same thing that's held Dan Tony back. It's just they don't adjust. It's just like they're going to do what they're going to do. And if you mess it up, they're so old school. They're just like, no, execute. We don't need to change anything. You got to do it your job. <laughs> it's not my they, fault. It's your fault. <laughs> right. So it's like I think that's my issue with, with Philly. And it's why, you know, the one time it worked out for Doc, you know, they won a championship. But, you know, the Lakers, he doesn't play Rasheed Wallace until he has to, you know, and they, and they lose at seven, right? So it's like he's not an adjuster. And I think in the playoffs you got to adjust. Unless your talent gap is super high, and Phillies is not, so that's my one concern about the 76ers more so than their own core talent. I think Tobias is going to be, you know, big. The big thing for me is Seth Curry. Like that, yeah. that's a guy you can't. Because usually they've had guys like Covington or JJ Redick who've been played off the floor, or they don't come through in those situations because you know Covington's streaky. Redick can't yeah. defend. You know, Seth can stay on the floor, so I think mm-hmm. that is going to be big for them going forward. Like I said, this is all. Conjecture. There are so many. Every team has a flaw, man. Every team is it's just going to be a great playoffs in general for me. They do. You're right. I mean, the, the, it's important to to put that together. And I mean, you know, the Lakers had a flaw going into last season as well. It was just a flaw that no teams were able to exploit, and it mainly had to do with them being a a bad offense in the half court. And the main reason why was because uh, their shooting was inconsistent. 
And more often than not, the game degenerated into a lot of LeBron and AD, AD isolations with a center on the floor. And it, it, it caused them to stagnate and to LeBron and AD got passive because they weren't able to get to the rim with poor spacing. And it was just kind of like a, you know, a waterfall effect that led to bad half court offense. But it all changed when they got to the postseason. They dropped a center for, for the most part. And then guys just made shots like the Lakers just in more more often than not when it came down to it. Guys that everybody would say on TV, like, oh, they're going to make Caruso make shots. Oh, they're going to make KCP make shots. Well, they did, you know, right. <laughs> and, and, but, but, they, but they might not have. And that's the point is like the flaw, the fatal flaw in the Laker design didn't show its ugly head when the time came. And so that's what it's going to be for all, all of these crews. Like for, for both of those teams, for the Sixers and the Clippers, I worry about their decision making because, you know, even like it's the same problem Boston's been having all year. It's like they have these super elite wings, right? Tatum and Brown, they're so good. They're so skilled, but they're not great decision makers. And so that offense has sputtered a lot this year, mainly under the, the fact that, you know, Tatum might be one of the best, you know, dribble creation wings in the league. But he's not a guy that understands the possession by possession flow of a game well enough to pick his spots and to know when to be passive and when to be aggressive and so on and so forth. And those are the big weaknesses that I see with Philly and with the Clippers is they just they have these like super supernova talents and Embiid and Kawhi and guys who can make shots around them like Paul George, like Tobias Harris. But they just they they lack that like super high IQ decision making. And that's why like if Rondo you know, more or less ends up being what he's been as of late, which is weird because we lost him for two years. (laughs) (laughs) But if he's going to be like that, then that's a, that's a game changer. Like he's, he was the net rating like nightmare last year. He was the worst guy in the Lakers rotation that played legitimate minutes. And this year, all of the Clipper lineups are better with him. It makes sense. I'll say this, that the difference is, is that when LeBron James is on the court, he's the point guard and it knocks Rondo into a spot he's not comfortable with. Like the Clippers, Kawhi and Paul George, you know, they don't mind him doing the traffic cop, you know, thing. You know, he's not going to, you know, hold the ball, direct traffic. They don't mind that. You know, Kawhi wants to go 50 feet from the basket, get the ball and face up. Same thing with Paul George. So they don't mind Rondo playing, you know, traffic cop. Also, the Clippers are going to break an NBA record for three-point shooting. So the spacing (laughs) on the floor, their spacing on the floor is just absolutely ridiculous, right? They spread you out and just shoot a gang of threes. They shoot almost, I think they're at 40% from three for the season, which is equivalent to like 60%. Just, it's ridiculous what they're doing from the three-point line. I don't know if it's sustainable. You know, Obviously, we'll, we'll find out. But it's just Rondo fits exactly what they do and what they need. Like in the Lakers, he did not. And I think yeah. the mistake the Lakers did, you know, made was playing Rondo with LeBron opposed to just the minutes LeBron sat so it looked kind of choppy when he was in there. Yeah, not just that. He was playing with, like, the other center on the floor. Right? Exactly. Like, so it was, like, it was just real yeah, rough there was spacing. Like, no spacing. <laughs> and he looks he looks happy to be out of Atlanta, to be honest. Like, like a, he looks happy to be on a championship-level team, right? Like, he looks like he's playing hard every night, which is like, why couldn't we get this from there, right? <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I think he helps them because Paul George and Kawhi can get really mid-range happy. Right. Yep. Like even with all the threes that they that they um, that they create when teams just, you know, go isolation against them, they can get really happy taking like really bad contested shots. Uh, I think, uh, JT, you say this a lot. You say they take a lot of tough shots. Right. Like the Clippers, mm-hmm. um, they'll take a lot of tough shots, especially in the playoffs when the jump shots don't go down like they do in the regular season. Um, that that air, their airspace is a little bit tighter. Right. 
Uh, that's why they blew three games against Denver uh, because they, the jump shot just went away. They went up, what, like 18 every game, one of those. So I think that's why Rondo really helps them. Um, and their defense is starting to pick up as well. They're, they're a juggernaut. I feel like they would talk, we'd talk about them a lot more if we didn't see what happened in Orlando. Right, like just, no, nobody Absolutely. trusts Paul George. Paul George, <laughs> Absolutely. Paul George, and Doc Rivers were like a match made in heaven, right? Like they blame everyone but themselves, so it's like a perfect, <laughs> like it's a, it's a really in sync fit. But he's he's killing the league. I can't even be like Paul George is having a career, another career year. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, man, he's not he's not a completely strange to uh, late season, late regular season yeah. runs where he's super efficient and it looks like he's poised to finally break through in the postseason it's not uncommon for him you will see and i say man ty, ty Lu, man like i was just, oh, yeah. i was like it remained it just remained baffling to me why he couldn't get a head coaching job man he's just an offensive savant man he just knows how to get guys in the best positions you know to succeed so that's you know the people were you know i understand like you know coaching lebron he's going to get majority of their credit as yeah. he should at being the you know the best player on every team he's played for, but I'm just saying like lose contributions got kind of lost in for sure. know, what, what happened at the end of the Cleveland tenure, man. But he absolutely knows how to coach himself some offense, you know, as you can see, man. The, I think uh, I think it's actually interesting uh, the, what you brought up about Rondo and, and LeBron and the way they fit. I've been uh, uh, watching through that. Uh, I think his name is Ben Taylor. But that thinking basketball series um, and what he, he did is like mm-hmm. greatest peak series. And I've made it through, I want to say like four or five of the players. And then I've made it through his, you know, synopsis at the end. And one of the big things that he frequently tackles, and you can see it a lot in the Kevin Durant video, which is the one I actually watched today. Uh, but the one that he frequently tackles is the difference between like a heliocentric os- offensive creator and then like a specialist, you know, which is basically what KD was. And And the difference in their value is what people argue about. Like, which one would you rather have? And the the truth is, is it entirely depends on what's on the roster. You know, like Rondo is such a seamless fit with Kawhi and Paul George because he does what they don't do. And, and Mm -hmm. with, with the Lakers, it always was strange when LeBron and AD were, or LeBron and uh, Rondo were on the floor together because yeah. uh, because of the fact that it kind of seemed like a redundancy of what they brought to the table. And, and again, it doesn't mean I think I think the difference between which player is more valuable is entirely dependent on the roster. Uh, but I do I do think that's an interesting point. And I think the Rondo uh, uh, renaissance here with the Clippers is a is the <laughs> latest example of how that that may very well be the way that this all works. I agree 100 percent. Um, so, uh, let's, let's, uh, hit one last Lakers topic before we start asking if anybody wants to hop in here and, and, uh, and talk with us. So at this point, AD's back, he's going to probably up it up to, you know, 20 minutes the next night, 24, the next, whatever it is, work his way back. LeBron will be back in a week or so. Um, in this stretch, the Lakers did what they needed to do, which was avoid catastrophe in the standings. Um, they're in a position like we mentioned earlier, which is arguably, the best possible situation they could be in under the circumstances with a viable path to get through the West. So plainly put, uh, and we'll start with you, Raj, how do you feel about the Lakers right now as currently constructed with LeBron and AD coming back and their chances to go on a run? 
I think I feel good. Like they they've like stayed at the best defense of the league, right? They're still number one. They've been what top four since uh, LeBron and AD were both down. Um, they added size and Andre Drummond. I think they're deeper than last year. Um, just like as a full roster, right? Especially with the Marcus Allston on the bench, Trez. You have Schroeder shot creating, and man, if those two are healthy. I think I think they're going to be fine. I feel like that first round matchup, especially with Denver, um, is going to be kind of like a test run for both of them. Denver's a tough team, but at least it's a it's a series where LeBron and AD can like really ramp up their intensity, right? So you don't have to play Utah or one of those fully healthy um, healthy teams. So that, I feel like that's where uh, they'll have the advantage in that first round, and then kind of build from there. So yeah, if they're both healthy, I feel like we'll be we'll be fine. What about you, Maples? I'm good. I, I said before the season, you know, this team is clearly better than uh, mm-hmm. last year. My thing was just I mentioned earlier uh, in, in the show here about the continuity. That's the only right. concern. If they're able to hit any type of rhythm, uh, they're the favorite to me. I just I think the team is too deep. LeBron was playing, you know, way too well. And AD, but the cold part, they were so dominant, and AD wasn't even in shape yet. So just, you know, mm-hmm. he's able to get in shape. You get LeBron back, they catch a rhythm. I, I don't think any team beats them, you know, four times out of seven. Yeah, so I always say that you need to be able to win in multiple ways um, because things rarely go as planned uh, when you get into these these situations. Like, no one in the world was planning on Jamal Murray turning into – like, you know, literally uh, uh, Devin Booker on steroids in the playoffs last year. Um, you, you have to be able to kind of adjust on the fly. Like if you can only defend one way, uh, cough, cough, Milwaukee Bucks, you're going to you're going to have a problem when a team attacks you and you don't have an audible that you can go to. And what I love about this Laker team is I know they can win in so many different ways. Like Anthony Davis uh, uh, could go on a run like he did in the second and third round last year in the playoffs where he's all of a sudden Kevin Durant. Um, but he can also fall into a subsidiary role like he did against Miami, where he's just this complete defensive nightmare for the other team. And he's nowhere near as effective as an isolation score just because of the way the spacing worked out and they could audible out of that. LeBron can, can go through these stretches where he's one of the best off the dribble shooters in the league for whatever reason. And then he can go cold. And when he go cold, when he goes cold, he can impact the game as a, as a defensive player, like he did in that Houston Rockets game that I tweeted out the other day where he had like 30 in the first half and then couldn't hit the side of the backboard if he tried in the second half, but then just became Dennis Rodman around the rim, you know, like he can audible into those different things. And then as far as their team identity goes, they have all these different matchups. They can attack with Montrez and with Dennis Schroeder, they defend at an extremely high level. They can go big. They can go small. They have all of these different audibles that they can hit. And most importantly, they have different defensive schemes that they repeatedly go to throughout the, throughout the regular season. They can trap and recover in the existing rotation. They can play like a drop coverage with a Drummond type of guy. They can do, um, you know, kind of that catch hedge thing that uh, that Krangis, uh, uh Tim is always talking about on, on his podcast, mm-hmm. where they basically it's kind of like in between a drop and a trap. Uh, but they have all these different things that they can do and all these different audibles that they can go to. And then Frank Vogel, you know, you say what you want about him offensively. The way this team is put together makes sense. LeBron is basically the offensive coordinator and, and Frank is basically the defensive coordinator. And he is arguably one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And, and I just, I like all the different ways that they can win. And I think that gives them versatility to go through different playoff matchups because they're going to face so many different archetypes of teams here along this stretch. And if anybody's equipped to do it, it's them. And then last but not least, 
physicality wins in the playoffs. It always has. It's the guys that have the legs at the end of the series. It's the guy that have the guys that have the legs late third round, late fourth round. They're just, they're less banged up. They're more able to handle all the physicality. And I just, I think LeBron's built for that. And, and so I think, I think right now, um, although I think Brooklyn presents a super unique challenge and certainly a different type of uh, a certain, a different archetype of contender, I think the Lakers are a safe bet uh, because of all of those things. Yeah, I think next year is the next year. Like, I don't buy it this year like everybody else's, man. It's just it's too many moving parts, man, too many moving parts. It just They would just break the concept of team building and, and continuity and chemistry. I just I don't see it. Seven games played with your – you got to say, the, the, the low before that was like 40. And that was with Michael Jordan, Scotty, and Robin, 40 games played. But that was in the third year of a three-peat. So they had a whole bunch of experience. So they're going to play seven games together and then – participate in high leverage games and go to the finals. Uh, but man, that's, the, that's a lot. We'll see. Yeah, for sure. And the, the Lakers still have that Trump card, right? Which is AD at the five. It might be even with a matchup against the Nets. I feel like that's their Trump card that no team has really got to figure out yet. So they still have that in their back pocket that they haven't really used this year very much. Right. I think AD has like less than a hundred minutes or something at the five. Uh, this right. year he's, he's played so much with, uh, Marcus Gasol and even with Trez, uh, another non-spacer, right? Um, so uh, they'll go to that, and then LeBron AD is still like plus fifteen on the year, which is around all the other superstars that are uh, that are playing the league. So yeah, I think I think that'll be the matchup. Uh, it was like I agree with you. I think the Nets need continuity, but I just don't see a team that maybe Philly, yeah, or Milwaukee, but I just don't see. I feel like we're gonna get that star matchup in the finals uh, going going over here, uh, and I'd I like to see you, it. Lebr- go go ahead. I was going to say, I would like to see it, like LeBron, KD, AD, you know. Maybe oh, I know you're not, <laughs> you're not high on Harden, though. Or none of us are, really, <laughs> in the in the playoffs, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I don't think – the last thing I want to say about it is just I don't think people uh, value enough what it's like having uh, two defensive weapons like LeBron and AD and what that does uh, what that does to what the other team can do to attack. Because, like – theoretically what you'd like to do all the time is you want to get the other team's worst defender on you. And so you'll run like a screening action to try to get a switch so that you can attack. But the problem is, is most elite defenses like the Lakers are going to trap you in that case. And so you actually don't want to call up your worst offensive player to get to set the screen because now he's the guy that has to make the read out of the trap. He's the guy that has to be your Draymond green roll into the basket. Like, uh, like the Warriors used to do. And so what the Lakers can do by putting and they don't do it often because they don't want to waste their legs. But when, when, when the shit hits the fan, they can put LeBron and AD on your two best players and put you in a situation where they can switch that. And now any screen and roll action that you do where they can trap, you're going to be putting a lesser offensive player having to make decisions. And, and that's going to, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And make it, you're going to make, you're going to make like a, uh, um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. What's that wing for the Mavericks? Uh, not Josh not Hardaway. Not Hardaway. Not Richardson. The taller one. Finney Smith. Finney Smith. Like you're gonna make Dorian Finney Smith make decisions because he's gonna be the guy that you're gonna have to call up to set the screen because LeBron and AD are gonna be in a situation where they can guard your two best players and you can't run a screening actions with them because they'll just immediately switch it and blow the action up. It's like such a huge weapon to have in a playoff series. And the Lakers used it relentlessly on Denver at the end. They yeah. took Murray and Jokic out. Yeah. Uh, Raj, go ahead. And Raj, no, I made you the most, by the way, if you want to start bringing people in. 
Oh, for sure. But yeah, on on Denver, yeah, LeBron went eventually had to decide to defend Jamal Murray, right? When he started just cooking all of our guards, uh, he was hitting like step back jumpers and sidestep pull ups, and then LeBron just like I got him, and then they tried to screen eight, uh, Jokic and Murray, and just uh, it didn't work because he put LeBron and uh, Murray and AD on Jokic. Um, so yeah, that's something they could do, and I think they'll some do something similar with like the Nets, right? Maybe put like LeBron on Kyrie, and then AD on a uh, KD or something, so that they can't switch or. Or anything like that, but uh, yeah, we're uh, if anyone wants to come up and uh, comment, ask questions, give ideas, uh, or I'll read through the chat for now as well. Um, y'all, do you guys think the Lakers are locked into playing Denver in the first round? I think we discussed that, right? I feel like they are pretty much. They're two games up on Dallas, so if they lose the next one, it kind of get tough. But uh, I think they're like they're three games up on Portland and two games up on Dallas. It feels like they're going to be pretty locked into that to that five seed or four seed if they're able to pass Denver. When you get this far along uh, into the season, like, like, do you remember, do you guys remember uh, two years ago when the Lakers were like three games back at the eight seed, but there were like 20 games left yet Vegas had them as like a massive underdog to make the playoffs. It's cause like, I know two or three games seems like a small gap, but with this few games left, it actually is a huge gap. And so chances are they're going to end up as the five seed. It would take a rather spectacular collapse at this point. Agree. See, uh, it says KP is uh, mostly likely out Saturday, uh, so we probably that's mostly likely a win. Uh, I'm not really sure. I think Dallas actually looked really good. Uh, Mabel, you really like uh, Brunson, right? I feel like Brunson came in and just matched Luca's kind of uh, outburst, right? Like he came in and he was really good. He was, he like was just as good at pick and roll, just you know, not that he's not six eight, but the pick and roll was just, <laughs> working. He was working just as well. <laughs> Man, so, he was uh, killing us. We'll see, man. I just, you know, hopefully, you know, the, the Lakers shooting can stick all the way through. That'll be big if they can do that. So, you know. I think they that. can defend better than they did tonight. I didn't think it's it was just, Like I said, it's, it, 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 Dallas is like, so the Lakers, when they play, when, when Drummond and Trez play, the pick and roll coverage is automatically a drop. And the Lakers like to rotate out. And that's just yeah. real tough with Luka Doncic, man. It's just, he's so good. You saw him do the thing where he comes off screens and with the defender and drop. He puts the guy in jail behind him. It just kind of like waits to play out to see what opens up. It's just hard to play drop coverage and be successful going against Luka. Man, he tears that up. I think the best bet is to mix up coverages, but a consistent drop look, he's just going to eat every 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 time. Yeah, they they try to trap him right, and then uh, they got a bunch of dunks tonight. It felt like the right. Mavericks just got a bunch of dunks at the rim because they were scared to tag right the roll man because Luka is so good at that cross court pass. So, like, once they tag even a second, that ball's out to Finney Smith, to uh, Hardaway Jr., to all those guys. But I feel like you still can't give up dunks. Like, you got to – like, they, they were leaving, like, KCP on Willie Cauley-Stein and stuff like that. It was just easy. <laughs> it was, like, easy dunks uh, all night uh, for the maps. Uh, let's see. You know, what else can – Lakers figure teams out defensively as series get deeper. So, Jeremiah – that's kind of – that's true, right? They lost, what, game one twice, um, I think, against Houston and Portland. And then uh, can kind of build off that – um, going forward, do you agree with that, Mabel? Like the Lakers kind of uh, like figure teams out as they go in a series. And LeBron does that too, right? He'll kind of just relax and get not relax, but he'll kind of like uh, just feel a team out in game one, and then kind of go from there. I think Frank has learned. You know, he uh, he adjusts now. You know, he's one of those guys that that stick with whatever you know got them there. He's willing to adjust. You know, as far as you know what coverages go. So I think he's better. 
you know, he's better coached than was than he was with uh, Indiana and Orlando. He's willing to adjust. So, yeah, I agree. That's part of him figuring his teams out. You know, and, and on the LeBron end, I tweeted this out the other day, another one of those thinking basketball um, uh, things that I that I was watching. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he, it always is, one of, you know, it's funny, like we always talk about with analytics, how you want them to match up with the eye test. You know, you never want to trust them kind of outright. And it always was interesting to me that LeBron seemed to peak at the end of playoff series. You know, like he always just seemed to play his best games in game five, six and seven of a series for whatever reason. And I think I think I think you can attribute it to his uh, his uh, physicality and then also his brain. Um, but then in that thinking basketball thing, they showed the clip and like his uh, his scoring and efficiency goes up at the end of playoff series throughout his entire career. It's like the craziest thing. Game five, six and seven. He's just a better player than he is in the first in the first four. And I think I think part of that is like you have to be willing to make mistakes and see the grander vision. You know, it's one of the biggest problems that I always had with James Harden um, was James Harden. His offensive attack, uh, especially at the beginning of games, seemed predicated at uh, at getting baskets at the expense of of playing into the defense's hands in the long run. Uh, whereas LeBron will go through passive stretches. He'll have t- stretches where he has turnovers. He's, he always turns the ball over a lot in game one and game two because he's just kind of poking and prodding at the defense and getting a feel for what their tendencies are, what they like to do. And then he just makes all those adjustments at the right time. And there's just as someone who's rooted for him for his whole career, you don't want anybody else as captain of the ship in a playoff series because you can just trust him to eventually come up with the best possible strategy to attack the other team. And that's not a guarantee he's going to win. Obviously, he's lost a lot, but that that is his strength, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I'm really interested in this one because – uh, I thought Trez had like an interesting game tonight. I think he had a few baskets, but I thought he really struggled on defense. And uh, we see uh, Amon, shout out Amon. He says, do you guys see Trez getting benched a lot in the playoffs? Example, yes. JaVale. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think, he's a, <laughs> I think he's a JaVale level, but I kind of agree with that. Like his, I just think Dallas is also not a great team for him, right? They really take advantage of the lob threat more than a lot of teams do. And uh, Trez just had a really tough time trying to help and then recover back and he had a lot of miscommunication with the wings but yeah do you think he gets benched in that yeah, he doesn't like, he, he, he's a regular but, season guy man i said this when they acquired him i was like i wasn't big on it because of the playoff implications yeah. he's, just, he's just not going to play so let's take a look at the at the top four teams like in the west like against utah can't play against oh, yeah. Gobert. can't keep him off the glass they play four shooters out in space you know that's not a strength of his right yeah utah's not going to be big minutes you go down to the second seed, Phoenix. Again, four out, one in, a lot of high pick and roll. He's going to be against, you know, Bridges or Cameron Johnson. You know, Jay Crowder out in space. Guys who play the four there, defending pick and roll, having to rotate. Can't sit and drop because Chris Paul and Booker are going to tear you up. Can't play against, you know, Phoenix. You know, Clippers. You know, four out, one in. You know, Marcus Morris spreads you out, plays a four. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot mm-hmm. of high, a lot of not not as much pick and roll, but a lot of you know ISO and you know being out in space against certain guys who can attack the rim. It's not a strength of his. He's a regular season guy, which is good. You got like those guys have a role. His energy is one of the legs of a lot of games this season. You know, just keep keeping us alive. And uh, you know, when the games are getting, you know, the 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 drag of the season, he brings a hard hat every night, and I respect that so much. But in the playoff scenario, I just I don't see many minutes for him. Let's give him credit where credit's due. He did exactly what we wanted him to do. Exactly, exactly. He came, he yep. came in and he ate innings all year long. 
and was a average to above average forward in every matchup. And, and when, and we, we predicted that LeBron and maybe would miss a lot of games. Now it came in a different manner than we thought. We thought LeBron would just be resting all the time, but he ended up getting hurt. And, and then AD ended up getting hurt. And what do you know? He ended up being like an absolute cornerstone of this stretch. And so he, right. he deserves credit. But, but to me, it's even simpler than that. Like, like you in the postseason, uh, LeBron and AD are going to be playing a lot of four and five. Not all the time. It depends on the matchup. You know, like if they end up playing Jokic, I think they'll throw a lot of Marcus Gasol and, and Drummond at him. And, uh, uh, it, Gobert, it depends. But like the, the, the reality is, is like it's going to be a lot of LeBron in, at the four and AD at the five. And if LeBron's playing 42 minutes a night and AD's playing 38 minutes a night, there's just not a lot of center minutes available. And my guess is that, that Trez is going to be the one who gets squeezed in a lot of those cases. Yep. Yeah, the, the only thing with Trez, I feel like he does have defensive talent. Like me and uh, JT have, have said this a lot. We don't like Trez in drop coverage because I feel like it takes the, the the worst of both of what he does. Right, like When he goes in drop coverage, he's already not aggressive. He's already backing up, and then he's not a rim protector anyway. So he's not right. stopping the guard from getting to the basket, or and he's not stopping the big. If he gets the ball, he's not blocking that shot. So I'd rather him switch more and try to like trap. I like him in a trapping scheme. I feel like he can eat against second units right in the playoffs, like when Gobert's sitting or you know if Aiton's not in the game. Just just those backup fives. I feel like he can really get in there, change the energy of a game, right? Just like he did in the regular season. I just don't see him bench. Like I just can't see them fully benching in full games. I think his minutes will be cut, though. They've already have been right when Drum with Drummond here. His minutes right. are already down to like fifteen to eighteen a game. Uh, they'll probably get less, but I do think he has some. Like the way Doc Rivers used him, I thought just didn't make any sense. They had him in drop coverage against Nikola Jokic, which just <laughs> you just he's asking to be destroyed. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll keep going here. Uh, Maples, really quick, what have you thought of Drummond so far? I haven't asked you yet. Uh, it's a mixed bag, man. You know, some good and some bad. You know, mm-hmm. I think overall it's a net positive, but he's just he's just he's, it's a mixed bag, like his whole career, pretty much. You know, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how he fits with LeBron and AD together. I'm a little worried about the spacing, but, uh, you know, I, I get the vision. They just really want to control the, the glass and maximize possessions. So I see the vision, but I just have to see. I'm a little worried about the, the spacing with all those three on, on the floor. You know, I like. I know LeBron likes to work out the post sometimes and really likes to drive it. The jump shot isn't going down. And I know Drummond kind of, you know, puts a cap on, on how frequent that can be used. So, We'll see. I'm interested to see how LeBron tries to use him. Like, cause he's going to try, he's going to try to find some way to make him into a useful basketball player. I'm interested to see what he does. He has the loudest misses, right? I feel like it was, he was, he was four for seven tonight, but those three misses just felt like, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, so like when I saw he's four for seven, I was like, wow, that's not terrible. But he, he misses like jump hooks in the lane. Like he gets it exactly to the right spot. He's just a really weird player. He tries for like one hand dunks for no reason. Like that one on Porzingis at the, or I don't, not Porzingis, whoever he tried to dunk on. I think it was Willie Colley Stein. But uh, yeah, that was, he has some really weird, uh, shot selection. So hopefully those post ups are gone when LeBron and AD are both back. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a strange player. Um, got that. Who wants to, who wants to hop in here and talk with us? I got about 10 more minutes before I got to go to bed. I'm waking up at 420 to go play basketball. So I, I got about 10 <laughs> minutes, guys. Jason is a real person that actually plays basketball, so it's not yeah. not a, <laughs> a, <laughs> a catfish guy. Actually, plays basketball. Uh, let's see. So is so is Maples, man. Don't forget yes. about Ma- don't don't sleep on Maples. Uh, and I'm not a five year old or a ten year old kid or whatever age I am there. From, uh, 
Uh, <laughs> do you guys see THT playing in the playoffs? Uh, I'm just in that. Maples, I'll go with you. Do you think THT gets yeah, serious? I, 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 I've talked about this a hundred times, so I'm going to let Maples take this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think so. As long as he at least becomes passable or is passable on defense, I think he will be. Uh, particularly the, you know, eight, eight, or eight to ten minutes LeBron sits. We just have somebody who can create offense. I think that's the avenue for him to play. Uh, not too much more than that, but definitely I see him getting some burned in the playoffs. Uh, Jason, I think some, Omar said he did request, but I don't see it here. Uh, maybe it's on your end. Do you see a, a speaker request on your end? I do not, but the, the room's been pretty frozen for me. Did I make you the host? I'm not sure. Again. I'll just try it again. It's really strange that it's not letting me do that. Um, yeah. You're still getting updated stuff from the chat. I haven't even been getting yeah. that. So. I'll keep reading the chat from here. Um, how confident would y'all be in playing the Clippers in the first round? Um, I wouldn't. You know, just the, they, they need some time to build up to that, in my opinion. And I know the funny, the, the, the joking, the joke is, yeah. to, you know, brag on the Clippers. But when I'm watching, that's not something you want to deal with in the first round when you just got, you know, star players coming back and trying to kind of find themselves. So, uh, you know, I know it's a running joke, but just <laughs> honestly speaking, that's, that's not something you want in the first round, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I watch them more than any other team other than the Lakers, and they're a legit good team. Like, they run teams off the floor when they have it going, right? Their shooting can really just run you out the gym, and then they they really move the ball, and the defense is a lot better. I, th- I think, like, Zubac is going to start even when Ibaka comes back. Yeah, he's playing out like, of his mind. He's playing out of his mind. Man, we we gave him to him. I still, I still. The crazy part is, if you keep Zubat, yeah, you know what I'm saying there's no center problem with the Lakers right now. That's nuts. Uh, <laughs> dude, that it, it, it cannot be it cannot be overstated how bad Matty Johnson was. Yeah. I, I know I know he's built up clout with the franchise. I'm just saying, uh, man. All right, guys, this is where I had the technical difficulties where I couldn't get people to join the room. So I did go ahead and split this up into a second podcast that I will be releasing tomorrow um, in which we did all of the guests that hopped in and we bounced around a bunch of other topics for almost a whole other hour. And then uh, Roosh came to join us for a while as well from uh, from Houston Rockets Twitter. Uh, But I want to thank you guys so much for listening. As usual, these locker rooms are so much fun. Raj and I are planning on uh, doing those at least once a week. And it's always great uh, having uh, the great Jason Maples on. So, again, appreciate you guys for the support. Stay tuned for tomorrow for the second half of this.